You guys, hi, I'm Charlie Bleeker. And I'm Sam Bleeker. And this is Bleeker Bombs, a podcast where we talk about all our struggles, marital, parental, financial, and personal. Let's do this. Hello, everyone. Hello, Sam. Hi, Charlie. We're here. It's always, uh, you know, a lot of coordination and planning to get to this 2 p.m. slot on a Sunday. But George is sleeping. Layla is hopefully sleeping. For the moment. For the moment. Uh, you just got got your workout in and ran to get us some dinner. And now we have an hour. So thanks for making this happen. Sure. Yeah, no, I, I love doing this and I love making time for it. And for those of you listening, we eat dinner at four o'clock. Yeah. So that's why <laughs> I got takeout before we recorded. That's right. We are uh, like put the early bird special to shame with our dinners now. So we're actually not feeling the best. George, on his fourth day of daycare, came home with a runny nose and a fever. And, and now we're all we're all sick, except for Layla. Hopefully she doesn't get sick, but she might. We're prepared for that. So you might hear a lot of sniffles during this, uh, this session, but uh, <laughs> we'll try to keep it to a minimum. Shall we? Great. Okay, so first... Back to daycare, George coming home sick. Even though he came home sick, we have just been really excited, as we mentioned in the last podcast, how well he's doing. So we decided to go from three days a week to five days a week. So we have on the other two days, on Tuesdays and Thursdays, we usually have our nanny come. And she's here for three hours with George. And she was supposed to come on Thursday, but George had a fever that morning, so I texted her and told her not to come. And then that day, we found out from the daycare that it was fine to start George on daycare full-time the following week. So long story short, I text our nanny, I'll call her Mary, and told her that we wouldn't need her anymore because we're putting George in daycare full-time. But we had her on the schedule to come on a weekend morning at the end of this month. And so I asked her if she could still work that day. I texted her this on Thursday and she didn't reply. And then on Friday, she didn't say anything. So now I'm starting to get in my head like, okay, what what's going on? Because she's usually very responsive and it was just unlike her. So then I'm thinking that she's like mad at me. But the more I thought about it, the more I was like, okay, this is what I do. This is my thing. I stress out about other people liking me. And now I'm so worried that she's upset with me. And I'm just constantly thinking like, what's going on? Why isn't she texting? What is she thinking? And I tried to put a stop to that maybe because I'm reading this book, The Courage to be Disliked, which is helping me understand that a lot of my anxiety stems from me caring too much about what other people think. And so I was like, okay, let me think about this rationally. She works six hours a week, so not very much. And it wasn't like we had been planning it and just like all of a sudden sprung it on her. It was a spur of the moment decision. And so there was nothing really else that I could have done about it. The more I thought about it, the more I was like, okay, I didn't do anything wrong. And if she's mad, then then she's mad and there's nothing I can do about that. But what if maybe she's actually like, I don't know, injured or something? Like, what if there's another reason that she's not texting? So I just decided to text her again. And I said, hey, did you see my text? 
And then she responded two and a half hours later. And she said, hi, exclamation point. Yes, sorry. I was out to eat when I saw it and then forgot yesterday. That'll be so good for George. Is he feeling better? I will not be able to do the 26th anymore, exclamation point. So so then I started reading into that text. (laughs) At first I was like, that's great. This is like a totally reasonable explanation for not texting me back. And she was so nice to ask if he was feeling better and she said it would be great for him. But then she said she can't work that weekend shift anymore, even though she already said she could. And she didn't give a reason. And the fact that she didn't give a reason makes me think that she's just like, well, you just pulled my services at a moment's notice. So I'm not going to come over there on that Saturday to help you guys out. What do you think? Well, a couple of things going back to our options. Like one option is since it was last minute, we could have paid her for the next week or the next two weeks, um, even though she wasn't going to be working. But as you rightly pointed out, like one, she's only working six hours. Two, it's always been like kind of a flexible engagement where she's canceled last minute or uh, my, and things have come up. And then, and three, we are, we're still offering her hours on the weekends. So she could have been still making the same amount of money if she wanted to work a few hours each weekend morning. So yeah, she probably felt like, well, I don't really want to work on the 26th. And since I'm not going to be with them anymore, like it's easy for me to, to just not work. You're absolutely right. Completely agree with everything you're saying. And it's, I'm still feeling anxiety about it. And I, and I am even reading the book. And it's annoying because I'm just like trying to let it go and trying to understand and recognize that I can't control how other people think of me and I should stop trying so hard because <sighs> there's Layla. <laughs> because there's really nothing I can do about it. I guess I'm just bummed because I really like Mary and I felt like we had a really good relationship and I've gotten to know her more and, and enjoy talking to her. And it just kind of felt a little a little cold to just decide not to come for that day. It was kind of just like, and that's the end of that relationship, it feels like. Yeah, but that's what happens. I say this all the time. Like some relationships are meant to be in one season of your life. And it's like our first nanny. Do we have a pseudonym for her? Heather. Heather. Okay, so Heather, she is wonderful. And like that relationship will persists for a long time i mean who knows if if, like we'll stay in touch 10 years from now but i wouldn't be surprised if we do whereas this one it wasn't meant to survive and that's fine i agree 100 percent agree that's my issue is that i'm like i know all this and it still like affects me yeah because you'd want people to like you (laughs) yeah i thought this book was gonna like fix me and i do enjoy it but when i'm reading it everything makes sense and then when i start living my life I, i lose Uh, sight of it and it goes out the window and I'm just like I get angry and I get anxious and uh, I don't know well can we segue into when I get angry yes we can talk about your your parenting moment this week that you wanted to share I had a moment that I am extraordinarily embarrassed by and just even sharing it out loud on this podcast is hard even though I'm pseudonymous As we alluded to last week, Layla hasn't necessarily been taking to me, um, particularly in her witching hour. So like 6.30 and later, she 
only wants you. She's a very pleasant baby most of the time, but she'll get a little feisty during the, those uh, or that time frame. And so one night you were really sleep deprived and I said, all right, I'll take the 11 p.m. feed so you don't have to and you could catch up on sleep. So you go to bed and she is crying. So now I'm in the living room with the basketball game on mute with her in my arms, like trying to soothe her for over an hour and she's asleep in my arms, which is great. Finally, 11 o'clock rolls around. I get the bottle ready. I change her diaper and I'm like ready to give her her four ounces and it's going to be great. Like I can do this. I'm, I could get to 1145 and then I'll get to bed even though I'm exhausted and I'm sick. 11 o'clock, she just does not want the bottle. She's passed out in no matter what position. And I'm like, really? You never sleep. Every time I'm like pouring milk into her mouth, she's just letting it dribble out. She's just completely out and zonked. This goes on and on and on. I get a cold washcloth. That's not waking her up. Now it's 1140 and I'm start starting to stew. It's like I had this plan. She was going to be done at 1145. I was going to get in bed. I could still get a decent night's sleep. So then you you woke up and you said, how's everything? And I said, horrible. <laughs> <laughs> and as soon as you were awake, I felt like I needed you to know how miserable I was. And then I just kind of like lost it. And you took over and I'm just like yelling and stewing. And yeah, I, and she put her hand in her poop or something and then you oh, got really mad. Yeah, I'm changing her diaper and she put her hand in her poop. So then I needed you to actually get out of bed. Right. And so that... Well, no, I, I I get up at while you're feeding her because I have to pump. Mm. So it's not just like I was sleeping and I woke up just because she was making noise. I had to get up. And then I was actually mid-pump. Mm. And you were like, I need help. Right. So I had to stop pumping to come over. Right. And then at that point you came over and then you fed her. And now at this point she's actually taken the bottle. And so I think I said something like... Oh, now she takes the fucking bottle. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Not my finest moment. Um, and I was just like so angry. And then you took over. I like. I, and you said you wanted to take back over because oh, you need to I had to finish pumping. pumping and you I was were just like, done. no, I got I said, it. Go to bed. Go to bed. And I thought that was like you were you were kind of mad at me and you just like we're going to deal with it. But you really just knew that the best thing was for you to yeah. handle it. So anyway, I go to bed, and then the next morning I woke up feeling very embarrassed. So I apologize to you and Layla, and I think my big takeaways, aside from just like being embarrassed, and hopefully I can have this moment that I tap into the next time I'm starting to feel worked up, mm -hmm. but one is it's all about expectations. I had this expectation like, okay, I can make it till 11.45. I can do this. And then once 11.45 came around, I like was over it right whereas if my expectation was okay i can make it to 1245 or i may have to make it to 1245 i think i would have been able to have like a clean clearer head yeah um and i was wasn't getting so upset and then the second thing is just like around anger like i didn't really and we've talked about this and like it was only in the aftermath was i able to realize it but once you got up the more angrier i got and right. it was because as I said, like I needed you to know how hard it was or miserable I was. Right. And it reminded me of Boyd Vardy, who was on Tim Ferriss. Um, and he said something really fascinating. So he did this experiment where he lived in the, the bush for 40 days and 40 nights and in Africa. And he said like one of his realizations was that you don't get angry 
when you're by yourself and anger is this tool for other people and i thought that was that was pretty profound um he actually said i have the quote here being angry and sulking and moods and all of that stuff is really for the benefit of other people. It's so that other people can get tuned into what a difficult time you're having. Yeah, well, that that kind of nails it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so that's my embarrassing story for the week. Well, I just want to say that I really, really appreciated you coming in the next morning and apologizing to me and apologizing to Layla. And, I, you know, I wasn't waking up like, oh, I'm so mad at him, but I was just like... I was a little upset by everything that had happened. And so it meant a lot to me that you just like came right in in the morning. And I want to segue into talking about how we've been sharing all of our arguments on here. And I just think about, I wonder what other couples think about, <laughs> about these admissions. And you're worried about what other people think. <laughs> no, it's a curiosity thing. Uh-huh. Like I'm not, I'm not worried about being judged. I just think for us, a lot of our arguments, there's like a same theme that arises where we both are similar. We get very defensive, we get insecure, and then we get angry. And I'm sure with other couples, maybe it's similar or maybe it's very different. And it's like different things that come up for them. I think about my friend Nate, and he's just like the most even keel person. (laughs) And I imagine that his wife, Allie, is just like also just like him. And I'm like, they probably don't fight the way we fight. I wonder what they fight about. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There are some some people whose personalities probably don't even lend itself to fighting. Right. But I think the the more important thing that, you know, I'm really, I think is really healthy about our relationship is that we always, we always resolve it and we always talk through it and we always are trying to get better as individuals and as a couple. And I was thinking about our neighbors across the street who I love. They're really funny. Let's call them Lisa and Samuel. And... (laughs) Keeping all these pseudonyms straight is impossible. (laughs) Lisa and Samuel. And Lisa will tell us like, oh, I made Samuel sleep on the couch last night, which I think is so funny that she's telling us that. But I'm wondering in their relationship when a fight happens and he ends up on the couch, are they then having these conversations afterwards to resolve it? Or is it kind of just like, and now that's over and it won't happen again. And And we were saying probably they don't talk about it. And I feel like a lot of couples probably don't talk about it. Yeah. Or like when they fight, they don't resolve it or they let it simmer right under the surface and they're happy they're not fighting anymore and in previous relationships that's how that was the dynamic where things would fester and it's like we'd get over something but then the next fight you're still bringing stuff back up from the prior one and so i yeah i think this is by far the healthiest relationship i've ever been in well dead stop but both of us also by nature are a little fiery (laughs) I don't know if it's like our northeastern upbringing or if it's just personality. And so that has a way of expressing itself. But I don't think it's the worst thing to get into occasional arguments. Yeah. So anyway, I was... The listeners are probably thinking, oh, yeah, that's a rationalization. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's move on. I was just really excited about a recent purchase that we made. We bought luggage. My mom bought me a carry-on and a, a checked bag when I was in college and I've had the same luggage since then we got away suitcases which is like I guess it's like a high-end suitcase not not high-end it's one of these like direct-to-consumer brands that has become trendy over the last few years but definitely pricier than I've ever spent on luggage so how much was it we well we each got a carry-on 
and we got a large checked luggage. And I think in total, it was probably something like $800. Okay, so $800. Mm-hmm. You did get a discount for mm. sure. And I remember you were like emailing me the code and I'm like, okay, fine. Like, let me do this. And then like, I'm figuring it out on my computer. And then I look at the promotional credit and I'm like, really? $20? <laughs> so we each got $20 because it's like <laughs> refer a friend and get give 20, get 20 thing. Yeah. And then we got a discount for like buying a set. Anyway, we probably saved like 10% off the, the total purchase. And part of me wanted to wait for like they maybe once a year or twice a year, they have these like 20, 30% off sales. So part of me wanted to wait for that. But then I'm thinking, if we're really going to get luggage, we have a couple trips coming up. And so might as well get it to actually use. And also, they came out with different colors, brighter colors, like limited edition. And those are valuable so that you could actually find your luggage and it doesn't look like it. You guys, they're so cool. (laughs) And I I love to have a, a bright something bright that it sticks out so yeah. it's easy to find and so the options before were pretty just like solid colors muted yeah solids. and so we didn't really have great options before and then they came out with these limited edition ones that are like color blocked and two-toned and super bright and i'm like wow these are so cool so then we get them and you're opening them and going through it. And it's just like got all these cool features in it. And I was like, I didn't even know the suitcases were made like this. Because like my suitcase is so old. Yeah. Attention to detail. It's well designed. So here's the thing. My thing is I've never spent a lot of money on luggage. I've gone on Amazon or like I'll go to the store and I'll spend, I'll buy like the $50 luggage. But now the thought, like, <laughs> well, one, it's just design matters. And traveling is stressful enough so having something where you could actually pack efficiently when you're going through the airport having the four wheels instead of just the two where you have to tilt all of that is valuable and then as we think about traveling with two young kids we really need to be efficient and we need things that are easy to wheel and maneuver and so that was like the reason that i really wanted to invest in it yeah, let's tell them about what, how they're so cool. First of all, it opens through the middle, which I guess that's probably what all suitcases yeah, do now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe these aren't that cool, but they're just like newer. So I think that every new suitcase is probably cool. But it's got like the compartments. One side is made for bulkier items and then the other side is made for clothes. And then you can like really tighten them down so that you can compress everything so you can get more stuff in there. Then it had like a little laundry bag on the side. Yeah, like a detachable laundry bag so we don't have to bring our plastic bags. Yeah, it's like so cool, like little touches like that. And also like the uh, dimensions. So this, what we got are are the bigger carry-ons. And the dimensions are actually larger than what the airlines say you can bring on a plane. But they, their team like went to the airport and where that you have, they have that little, um, the metal checker thing where you put your, like Mm -hmm. they make you put your luggage in there. And so they made a piece of luggage that will fit perfectly in that thing. Um, so you get a little more space than most carry-ons. Which we are going to need. I have no idea how we are going to pack for this trip. We're going on a family vacation with Sam's family in July and it'll be our first time getting on a plane with babies. If we're going for an, a whole week. So it, I, I, challenge accepted. I'm excited, but 
wow i usually overpack for just myself so anyway i'm excited all right let's move on to our final segment i just wanted to tell a a very abbreviated uh, version of the story of how we met so it was 2016 mexico our friend's wedding it was a week-long event the first night there was an event and i didn't see sam but the next morning my the bride who's my girlfriend she came over to where i was staying and she was like this guy's into you and i was like i didn't see any guy she's like and she i'm like who is he and she starts telling me about him and she says he's really smart and he's really nice and i'm like perfect so he's ugly and short or something (laughs) And then she's like, well, you got to meet him. So then I go over to where he's staying and he's staying in this villa with a bunch of guys. And I see like a group of five guys standing together. And I immediately know which one is Sam because he's like really smiling right at me. And none of the other guys are looking at me. (laughs) And then when our friend Amy introduced us, he like stepped through the crowd of guys to like shake my hand. And I was like, oh, God. And I was like, of course, he's bald. And I didn't think you were ugly, but I just like wasn't like super attracted to you. And then that night was the rehearsal dinner. And we ended up talking at the bar later that night and having a really good conversation. And I was just like so engaged. And it was actually really fun. And I was like, oh, that's, you know, I'm surprised by how much I enjoy talking to you. And then the next night was the wedding. And again, we found ourselves at the bar and talking. And I was so drawn to you and couldn't believe how much I just like wanted to keep talking to you. And then later that night, we went back to your villa and we went in the hot tub and then we kissed. And it was just like, oh, my God. Like I was so then I was like so attracted to you. And then sparks started flying, you know, so it, it did happen quickly, but it didn't happen instantaneously. The next day or the day after that, there was like an excursion on a catamaran. So we got to hang out again. And by the time you went back to North Carolina and I went back to California, I was smitten and we started an eight month long distance relationship. Yeah. After you got back to L.A., you were staying with your friends who have two little kids and you we're saying, yeah, I'm kind of into this guy, but he's kind of nerdy. And does your friend have a pseudonym? I can't remember. Anyway, T. <laughs> T looked at you and said, Charlie, nerds are cool. It was like the best piece of advice. First of all, so like simple and she didn't need any more explanation and you kind of like got it. Especially since you look at her and her husband's relationship. At the time with Envy, like they have a great relationship and he's kind of nerdy as well. I think that was like the advice you really needed to allow yourself to go for someone you might not have otherwise. Yes. The reason why I wanted to tell this story is because we talk all the time about how we met at the exact right time. Where we were in this place in our lives where everything lined up and it almost like felt like it was meant to be. And we always say, like, if we had met even, like, two years prior, then we wouldn't have had that connection and and we might not be together. And we very well could have met two years earlier at Matt, the, the groom's birthday party, and you ended up not being able to go. And, and I'm so glad that you didn't. Yeah, me too. But it got me thinking about this idea that timing is everything because people say that all the time. A lot of couples will run into this problem when it's like not going well in a relationship like oh everything's perfect but it's just the timing like the timing was different everything would be great and 
I think of that as almost like a red flag. And it's not that a red flag, like this person is not a good person for you. But if the timing is off, it's an indicator that this is not your person. Yeah. The connection isn't strong enough to overlook the obstacles from a timing perspective that may be in a way to really make it work. Right. And it's like, I know that there are instances where couples, you know, the timing is not working. And then five years later, 10 years later, they end up together. I don't think that happens too often because usually what happens is five years later or 10 years later, they've grown in such different directions that that they no longer are compatible with each other. Right. Sometimes they're different people. people. And sometimes I guess it, it does work out, but I don't even know what my point is. It's just that when if you are in a situation and you're saying like, God, everything's so great, but it's just the timing piece. It's like, well, you should pay attention to that. Agreed. There's just something about this this idea that timing is everything that's just been making me think that there's more to it than that. So I've just, I wanted to just like talk through it. So this is obviously not anything well-formed. This is why I write, because when I try to talk about things that I haven't really like figured out, I just ramble and stumble over my words and sound like an idiot. <laughs> me too. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what, I mean, it's part of the reason why I'm doing this is because I want to get better right. at talking about these things that are in my head but right now it's just like it feels like a jumble and i like can't speak words that could also be because i'm really sleep deprived and not feeling great yep but i think that's an excuse i think that this is just how i normally am regardless all right well i just want to say to the listeners please reach out i want to know what you guys think and like what segments are are resonating with you and what you want to hear more of what what should we talk about and please send in your stories that we can talk about so we can stop talking about ourselves at bleaker charlie on twitter or email me charlie.bleaker at gmail.com and we'll see you next week bye bye you guys <laughs>